This episode is sponsored by ByHeart. And I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in. And all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort, and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like Byheart. Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. Welcome to the Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get to where you want to go. Now, let's get a cup of tea and spend a few minutes together. Here's your host, wife, mother of three, and entrepreneur, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of The Crystal Pain Show. I'm thrilled to have you with me today, especially because we've got some big news to announce to you, and that is that I have a co-host, an official co-host. Would you like to introduce yourself? I think you're doing a good job. (laughs) Okay, if you haven't figured it out, Jesse is going to be joining me from here on out as the official co-host of the Crystal Pain Show. And I'm really excited because y'all just love when he joins me. And so I came to him a number of weeks ago and I said, what would you think about actually becoming a co-host? And I thought he would say, no, 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 no. But he actually, you were excited about this idea. Yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it. So, And well. he does such a great job. And I feel like he helps me to not be nervous because this is still outside of my comfort zone and I'm still finding my way and still finding my groove as a podcaster. And so when he comes on, then it's like, I can just be myself. So I'm thrilled to have him welcome Jesse as the official co-host of the Crystal Pain Show. Thank you. (laughs) And you just got back from a pretty big trip. Yes, it was a pretty big trip. 12 hours on a bus, both ways. On a bus with Middle school students. <laughs> you want to tell us a little bit about your trip? Yeah, we uh, had the I had the privilege of being able to chaperone our oldest, uh, Catherine. She went on a trip to Washington D.C. the week before spring break, and with about eighteen other of her classmates. And so that was a lot of fun getting to know them and getting to know the teachers well. And we just love going to D.C. And so we had a very enjoyable time together. 
And I thought it was just, it was a fun memory for you guys to get, and you went to some places you'd never been before. Yeah, I went to, uh, actually went deeper into Arlington National Cemetery than we'd ever gone. Uh, went on a tram tour and saw them some things that I didn't know was there. And um, went to the Museum of the Bible, which is a new museum, relatively new. Went to the Library of Congress. That was really cool. And uh, took a tour of the Capitol building and then went underground in the tunnel to the Library of Congress. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And we tried to survive while you were gone. We, we did. We did, did okay. a good job. Usually, seems like when Jesse goes, I the, the house falls apart. Because when he went to Israel, my phone got stolen. We, both cars, yeah, both cars Broke down, wouldn't start. We had to have someone come over and help get them started. I don't remember that. Yes. We had jumper cables. I It was it was bad. And one of the cars, <laughs> he was just like, just don't drive it. Just don't drive it till your husband gets home. But we got the one car running. And then um, the worst part was probably the fact that we discovered that we had carpet beetles. That was but was I that thought, on that trip? It was, yes. But I thought they were maggots. And because I didn't know what carpet beetles were, and that turned into a whole big saga, which we will not recount here on the podcast, of four months of both of our cars being infested with carpet beetles, not being able to get rid of them. It was bad. It was bad. And, still suffering from the after effects. Yes. Anytime we see a little flying thing, we're like, <gasps> is that a carpet beetle? Because they're basically like bed bugs. Yes. Yeah, they're almost, like the size of a pinhead. But they're like bed bugs in the sense that it's almost impossible to get rid of them. And it was because we took the cars in and we had them. They said they were going to have to completely gut them. I thought we weren't rehashing that. Little okay, saga. okay, okay. But the, the point <laughs> is that both cars ended up getting totaled by the insurance because of carpet beetles. So when Jesse leaves, bad things happen. So I was a little concerned. But then it ended up, it was it was great. And then I left as about a little over 24 hours after you got back and I went to New York city with two of my sisters, the trip we've been planning for quite a while. And I, I've been to New York city. Actually, we, I figured out this was my sixth time in about six years. Most of my trips have been for business, but this time I got to just go for fun and my sisters had never gone to New York city. So it was fun to get to take them. And we tried to do it on an, about an $80 budget for most everything other than the transportation to and from the airport and then also the hotel and the um, flights. I could not think like what is that, which we um, used points for. Do you think that it was a lot more expensive to do the Ubers from the hotel because of how long it took to get to the hotel? It was like an hour and a half drive, wasn't it? Uh, It was just because we were sitting in traffic. So no, but anytime I've taken transportation from the airport, I don't know any cheap way to get from the airport to yeah, downtown. That is very true. I don't know that there is. And you also want a safe way as well. So I don't know. If someone knows the cheap way, let us know because I'd love to know. But I did learn a lot about how to get cheap tickets for Broadway shows because I did a lot of research for that. So if anyone is interested, I'll put the link in the show notes to my post on that. I figured out ways that you can get them for as little as $10 per ticket, which is crazy. I had no idea that that was um, even a possibility. Anyway, but we're glad to be back to 
back home, back together, and let's talk about what's saving our lives right now. This is the part of the show where we talk about something that is making our life better, easier, and more enjoyable. And I've got an interesting one for today, and that is this site. It's actually an app, but if you go to myhormonology.com, it has these apps, and I got the free app, which is actually called Hormone Horoscope. I don't like the word horoscope. Nobody get freaked out by that because a few people, when I talked about this on Instagram story, were like, I don't have anything to do with horoscopes. I'm like, no, it's just a word that's in the app. But basically my hormonology is a way, sorry for the men listening, hopefully all two of you can just turn the podcast off right now, but, or skip ahead. I don't think that there's a button on my microphone. (laughs) Anyway, maybe you should listen because this is really great for your wife or your girlfriend, yourself, um, but it, it is where you put in like where you are in your cycle. And then it gives you this incredibly interesting read on how you should feel every day based upon what's going on in your body. And I was sure that this was not going to be accurate at all. I do not like to be pigeonholed and put in boxes and label and all that, but As I have been reading this every day, I've been like, this is creepy how spot on this is. And it's fascinating. And I'm learning so much. Spot on? Is that like a play on words? No, no. But as I told Jesse about this, he was like, because it'll say, you know, you should be feeling really energetic today, or you should be feeling really lethargic, or you should be... Frisky? Is that the word you're thinking of? (laughs) That was not the word I was thinking of. The opposite. And and so he was like, oh my goodness, how do we recover from that? He was like, I lost my train of thought. He was saying that I should just send him the printout, not the printout, but the little whatever it says every day so that he could just know whether today is going to be a good day or today is going to be a bad day. So as we were talking about our... What's saving our lives this week? You said you thought this. this, Yeah, that's saving my life. This might be saving your life as well. So it's a two for one. Anyway, so that's myhormonology.com. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes. I think you have a book update. Have you read more than 10 pages of your book? Yes. Yeah, actually, I got a little bit of reading done. Not a whole lot on the trip. So that was really, really fun. Um, like I said in the last podcast, I was surprised with how detailed it was. What book are you reading? Oh, I'm sorry. You have to remember that not everyone has listened to the last podcast. The Killing Lincoln book by Bill O'Reilly, which timing was actually pretty apropos, I guess you would say, because we went to Ford's Theater when we were in D.C. And there was a lot of displays. There's like a museum in Ford's Theater. And a lot of the displays were spot on with what's in the book. It was really, really interesting. And how many pages are you in? 33? Probably about 100. 100 pages? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold up. You were on page 10? No, actually, I was on page 30 when I looked. Oh, okay. I was seriously underestimated. You downplayed it so that it would, then the next time when you finish the book in six weeks from now, we would be like, wow, you finished that really quickly. No, I'm just impressed that you said six weeks, not six months. (laughs) Well, maybe if you're the co-host on the podcast every week, this is going to challenge you to read yes. a little bit faster because you got to talk about what you're reading. Okay. So that's Killing Lincoln by Bill O'Reilly. Bill O'Reilly. And we'll link to that in the show notes. And my book, 
for this week is one that I actually started last year because I was listening to it. Wait, wait, wait. You started it last year Hold and you're up. just not... It, Hold it, it, up. It's March. There's a reason. I have a very good reason and that is not just that I'm a terribly slow reader. <laughs> okay. My good reason is this. I started it last year and I was listening to it on the Libby app. And then I ran out of time to finish listening to it before I had to, quote unquote, return it to the library because that's how the Libby app works. Excuses, excuses. I know. You you are able to check out books from the library audiobooks. You check them out, quote unquote. And then you have to return them within, I think it's two weeks. I think it's two weeks. Anyway, we were on a trip and I didn't have a lot of time to listen. And so that's my I'm excuse. hearing a lot of qualifying language here. That's- anyway. It came back up and I was able to start listening to it again and finish it. And I had a, I think I had, I think it said I was about 60% of the way through. So I finished listening to it. And this quote from it is one that I've just really been camping on. It says, if following, oh, did I even say what the book was? I didn't know. I don't even think I said what the book was. Okay. We need to get our act together and be better podcasters here. It was Everybody Always by Bob Goff. So no wonder there was a big waiting list for it and I had to wait so long to be able to check it out again. So anyway, this quote from Everybody Always says, if following Jesus doesn't lead you to the poor, the hungry, and the isolated, you're not following Jesus. And it's something that I've just really really been thinking of is how am I loving others? Um, I got an email from someone who's been following my blog for a long time recently. And she said that she was too scared to write in for years because she knows I'm a Christian and she was afraid of what I might think of her since she's so different than me. She felt I wouldn't want to associate with her because of her choices and beliefs and lifestyle. And when I read that email, my heart just really broke because I thought, am I oozing with Jesus love for all people? Or am I just loving those people who are most like me or the people who have the same beliefs or the same viewpoints or who I most relate to? And so this quote by Bob Goff, if following Jesus doesn't lead you to the poor, the hungry, and the isolated, you're not following Jesus, just has really challenged me to think, you know, if I'm truly following Jesus, I'm not just going to be hanging out with people who are like me. I'm going to be spending a lot of time with those who are on the fringes or those who are overlooked or those who are very different than me. And so I just want to challenge myself with this. And I'm putting this on the podcast as just a way to continue to challenge myself with what I learned from this book, Everybody Always by Bob Goff. And of course, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Before we move on to our interview, which is with Meg Teets, and we're going to be talking all about the Myers-Briggs and personality typing and how it relates to our life, how it can impact our relationships, I wanted to first let you all know that through the end of March, so you just have a few more days left, you can get our course called Makeover Your Year for 50% off. Um, Jesse, do you remember when we recorded this course together? Oh, and- I do. And it's very much not this incredibly well done, well edited sort of thing. It's just like sitting in our living room with us. It's a four week course where we walk you through goal setting and how to set goals and then actually follow through with them. And we share with you our perspectives on goal setting, which Jesse, you're very different in how you approach goal setting than I do. And we give you lots of tools and step-by-step help to actually set goals that you will be able 
to then break down into bite-sized pieces and stick with and follow through with. And we help you with setting up the accountability to follow through with them. So if you're interested in that course, it's called Makeover Your Year and it's just $8.50 through the end of March. Wow. That, that's a really good deal because <laughs> there's more than six months left in the year. So you're paying half to make over half of your year. Oh my goodness. You can make over your year starting today and it can end in a year from now, but okay. Semantics. Anyway, if you would like to save 50% off, just go to makeoveryouryear.com through the end of March. You can get it for a 50. And if you're listening to this podcast after March, that's okay because it's just $18. Wait, it's eight fifty. Eight fifty is no $17. I know. That would be $17. $17. It's just $17. Okay, you're going to say, I was like, wait, $8.50 times two, that is not $18. Okay, it's just $17 for the course if you don't get it with the 50% off. But you don't need to put in any coupon code. Just go to makeoveryouryear.com and through the end of March, it will be 50% off. I am so thrilled to be joined today by Meg Teets. Meg is a wife, a mom of four, soon to be five, and she is the host of the very well-known and well-loved Sorta Awesome podcast. And I have to say that she's one of the most gracious people ever because this is the third time that we are trying to make this interview happen, and it's all my fault. And she's just been so gracious to just be willing to get canceled on and then rescheduled, and then we had technical issues. And so thank you. Listen, I've been doing this for four years. I have had every technical issue happen that can possibly happen. So it is really no worries. I'm so excited to get to be here today. I absolutely love your show. And I have put that out so many different times on the internet. And I just, I feel like you've been such an inspiration to me. And I have so many things that I would love to talk to you about. And just, it's such an honor to have you on the show. And as I was thinking, well, we could talk about that, or we could talk about that, or we could talk about that. And I was like, you know what? One of Meg's things that she's so passionate about is Myers-Briggs. And so I am excited for us to get to have this conversation about Myers-Briggs because anytime I talk about that, people are like, wait, hold up what is that? What does that mean? And everything. So let's talk about this personality typing system called Myers-Briggs or MBTI. Um, I know you're really passionate about it and I'd love to hear, you know, how did you first hear about this and develop an interest in it? Well, in a lot of ways, Myers-Briggs kind of saved my marriage. (laughs) Wow. I did not know that. (laughs) That might be overstating it a little bit, but it definitely helped my marriage to grow and for my husband and I, who have been married now for 20 years, to really get to know and understand why each other is the way we are and and why and how we see the world that's so different. So, um, gosh, it's been over 10 years ago, probably more like 12 or 13 years ago, I was on a Christian mom's parenting message board. This was, of course, back in the days of message boards before, you know, Facebook was really a thing, um, especially for us grownups. <laughs> it was more just for college kids back then. Anyway, on this message board, there was a strong culture of really knowing, understanding, talking about Myers-Briggs. I had never, I think I had taken like a basic Myers-Briggs test, but maybe back when I was like a freshman in college and I hadn't thought about it since. But once I started to dig into it and I figured out my type, which is an ENFP, 
and really kind of started to dig around and, and think about it in the context of family life, like in terms of marriage and parenting, because we were fairly new parents at the time. We had been married for six years before our oldest was born, and we'd kind of just coasted along through life. But when we became parents is when a lot of our differences mm-hmm. <laughs> came to the surface. <laughs> and so I really dug into it to try to understand, like, why are we just having so much tension over these issues? Why can we not seem to find common ground here? So that is really how I became really interested in Myers-Briggs. and. Truly, I am passionate about it. I'm not an an actual expert or a teacher or anything. I have no formal training. I'm I'm really just an enthusiast. But I've been learning about it, like I said, for over a decade now, and I can see the tangible ways that it can bring so much understanding to relationships. So I think that's why it has been something I've really stuck with. And that is so true for me. I think when I have understood myself, but then also to understand others, it gives me such a different perspective in dealing in business situations, in dealing you know, with people on my team, with my husband, understanding that, understanding our differences and how we are alike and how we process things. It's helped me so much to have more compassion, more patience, and to not just think, what is their problem? Or what is my problem? I think that's when I first took the test, I had, um, I don't know, what are they called? Like, what is it called? Somebody who administers the test. I'm not sure who has the actual, I don't Right. But whenever I did that, I was like, oh my word. Who, who got into my head? This is me. And finally, someone is describing who I actually am. And it made me feel like I'm not crazy. <laughs> right. Yes. That is a huge, huge benefit to it, I think. And so can you give just kind of a really general overview for someone who they're, they're brand new to Myers-Briggs? What is the system? You know, what do those letters actually mean? Yes, I will be happy to do that. So Myers-Briggs is one of certainly many personality typing systems, but the thing that Myers-Briggs does is it focuses on our actual cognitive functions, the way that our brain takes in information from the world and how we act on that information. That's a really broad overview of what Myers-Briggs measures. So in Myers-Briggs, they give you a pair of descriptors. There are four pairs that are notated in letters. So I'm going to give you guys a quick overview, a very, very fast overview of the letter pairings and what they stand for. And again, what part of our brain's functions that it helps us understand how this works. So the first pairing is probably the pair that everybody is at least a little familiar with because it looks at introversion versus extroversion. Almost all of us, even if we're totally not interested in personality typing systems, most of us, at least through pop culture or online quizzes or whatever, you know, we're familiar with the idea of someone is an introvert or an extrovert. Um, now, the sort of pop culture understanding is that introverts like to be alone and that they don't like people. Sometimes that's a, a stereotype of introverts. And the extroverts are always loud and they always want to be the center of attention. Those are really not correct uh, stereotypes. When we're talking about Myers-Briggs, introversion and extroversion really deals with how you get your energy. So whether you charge or recharge your energy by being by yourself or spending time alone, that would be higher on the introversion scale. 
And people with higher extroversion get their energy from interacting with the world around them. Sometimes, and a lot of times that could mean um, people, but it could also mean activities, um, you know, jobs, whatever, that when they're in a situation that kind of takes them outside of their interior world, that's what gives them energy. So when we look at that IE split, that introversion, extroversion split, what we're really talking about is energy, how you get it and how you recharge it. Now, do you think that a lot of people recently have been saying, well, I'm not an introvert or an extrovert. I'm an ambervert. What are your thoughts on that? Well, this is complicated because when you look at actual, when you really dig into actual Myers-Briggs theory, it goes a step further and explains cognitive functions. And within each types, cognitive functions, we all have two introverted functions and we all have two extroverted functions. So truly... All of us have some of both, which is why I think people say I'm, I'm more of like, like an ambivert. Well, it kind of depends on the context and what you're talking about. But I think the reason that people grasp onto that term and that label is because it makes sense. All of us have moments where we feel deeply introverted and we really just need to go away and be alone. And all of us have times when we like to be around people. And so it kind of gets a little bit muddy there. But truly, when we're just talking about the letter pairings, you really just want to look at your energy. What energizes me and what drains my energy? And that gives us a good idea if we're more introverted or more extroverted. The next pair is the intuition versus sensing pair. And this is represented by either an N for intuition, since the I already got used for introvert. (laughs) Then in this system, they go to the next letter, which is N. So that stands for someone who's more intuitive. And then the S stands for somebody who's more sensing. And this deals with how we take in information. This one's pretty easy to remember because sensing people people who are oriented more towards that S are going to be people who are oriented more towards the five senses. So that's a good way to think about that. They take in a lot of information and really place a lot of value on their five senses. So these are going to be people who are really in touch with the physical environment around them. Then our N-types, our intuitive types, are going to be a little bit more in our heads. We are people who pick up on the more nonverbal or non-tangible cues that an environment gives us. S-types generally really like to interact with the physical world around them. And like I said, our N-types are going to be people who can get a little bit more in their head. So I think you and I are both intuitive types, right? Yes. And I'm married to a non-intuitive. Let's just yes. say in that, that has caused, he just, he's sitting right here and he just gave me a kind of a dirty look. Like, no, well, but it's caused so much understanding in our marriage because to, and, but he's, we always make jokes of like, you're not intuitive, are you? Or he's like, I know I'm not intuitive, you know, but to really be able to embrace that he brings so much to the table because of not being intuitive and being, you know, sensing versus yeah. that. And so I feel like it helps us. We are are more a complete whole as a couple because of that. That is so true. I am an intuitive type married to an intuitive type. And if you drive by our house on our block, we're like the only ones whose yard, I mean, my husband is very meticulous about getting the yard mode, but we don't have like landscaping or beautiful flowers. Like we have done nothing to make the outside of our house pretty. And the rest of our block, I think you're all sensing types who are probably like, could you guys get it together and plant a flower, please? <laughs> so yeah, these are some of the ways these differences come out for sure. Um, The next pairing talks about how we assess this information that's coming in through, you know, either our intuition or through our senses. 
And this is the thinking or feeling split. It's represented in Myers-Briggs by either a T or an F. And this is another one that can get stereotyped pretty easily because F types, you know, those of us who are feeling types, sometimes it's like, oh, you just like live in the land of feelings and you tend to be really emotional. Um, and then our thinking types sometimes get stereotyped as like, you don't have a heart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the truth is the difference here is it's how we assess information. So our thinking types, our T types assess information based on concrete or black and white facts. They want to look at what the facts are of a situation where, and then that's going to help them make a decision. Our feeling types are going to be people who make decisions based on more of an internal code of values. So it's, it's a lot more gray area. It's not as black and white. It's what is um, moral or what is right to them. It's more subjective where our thinking types are a lot more objective. So again, it, it's easy to paint with broad strokes there, but it really comes down to like, when I have to make a decision, do I look at the facts or do I look at what subjectively is right for me? Is kind of a good way to sum up that difference. Yes. And Jesse and I are both the, the T types and we're always like, we need some more feeling in our home because our poor children are just going to be raised as I'm like in this home where we're just, here's the facts, just accept yes. it, you know? <laughs> so we have to surround ourselves with feelers to kind of help us because we, yes. need, we need more of that in our life. I totally get it. Totally. Um, the last pairing is J and P. It's judging or perceiving. And this is how we process information and make decisions. So our J types, you know, it uses the word judging and we kind of have a connotation in our culture like, oh, you don't want to be judgmental. It's not that at all. Our J types are going to judge all of this information they've taken in, and they want to take action. J-types are always oriented towards eventually making a decision and taking action. I always think of J as equaling just do it because that's what J's are about. It may take them a while, depending on what they're working on to get there, but they're ultimately driving towards a decision. Whereas our P-types, our perceiving types, are really happy to stay in the land of possibilities. So you can remember P's love possibilities. It's really hard for those of us who are P's to actually make a decision because when we choose one of those possibilities, that means we don't get to choose all the other possibilities. (laughs) So we who are P's can kind of drag our feet or feel overwhelmed really easily with a lot of information. And so this is an area where definitely like I am a P type, but my husband, my closest friends, the people on my team that um, do a lot of the back-end work. I need J's in my life to help me just be like, okay, that's great that you have all the possibilities, but it's time to decide. (laughs) Yeah. So those are how the letters break down. Like I said, it's four pairs of letters and they're all dealing with different aspects of how we take in information and what we do with that information. And so for someone who's listening, who they, you know, they're kind of seeing they're getting some clarity here, but they really want to, they really want to be able to find out their type. What would be the best way for them to do that? Well, the great thing about Myers-Briggs is it is pretty easy to um, find an online quiz that will at least get you started. The one that I always recommend the most, because I feel like it is genuinely really accurate, especially for a free online test, is at 16personalities.com. And that's the number 16 and then the word personalities.com. And you can go there and take their test. It is free and you don't have to even like sign up for their email list or anything. And once you take the test, they will give you a broad overview of the type that you score 
scored as on their test. And, you know, sometimes that might be 100% accurate, or sometimes it might just get you in the right range of like, okay, I'm, I can definitely see myself as an E and an F. I'm just not really sure. Or, here's a big one. A lot of ENFPs cannot decide if they're ENFPs or ENFJs, <laughs> you know, so, so you can look at the profile for ENFP, but then also you can click around and, and be like, well, what if I was an ENFJ? What would that look like? So 16personalities.com is a great place to start if you just want a free kind of overview to kind of get you in the right sort of pocket of Myers-Briggs. That's so good. And I'm just cracking up because I'm thinking, isn't it if you are wanting to make sure that you're not a J and really look at all the possibilities, doesn't that kind (laughs) of say you probably aren't a J? I'm just saying, no, I'm a very strong J. So I feel like I, I wish that I could look at more possibilities instead of just being like, got to make a decision right now. Just get it done. You know, so yeah, that, that can be a good thing and that can be a very bad thing. So yeah, um, this was so good. And I just want to encourage everyone listening, go to 16personalities.com and take the test ask other people in your life to go take the test too, because it will help you to understand people so much better to understand yourself and maybe set you on this journey of becoming passionate about this because you'll realize the difference that it can make and how you approach life. So thanks so much for that, Meg. And I want to just now change gears here a little bit and let's talk about the two questions that I always ask all of my guests. And I'd love to hear what you're reading right now. Okay. I always have two books going, at least. I have one fiction that I just started. It's got a lot of buzz right now because it just came out. It's Daisy Jones and the Six from Taylor Jenkins Reid. Um, it's kind of a fictional like biopic of a 1970s rock group and how the group broke up and like a profile of the lead singer. I only just started, but everybody that I have seen have you know, reviewed on Goodreads or on social media has loved it. So I'm super excited about it. Now, my nonfiction that I'm reading right now, I'm also, I'm such a personality junkie. Not only do I love Myers-Briggs, I also am super into the Enneagram. And so I picked up an Enneagram book I've been meaning to get to for ages. It's older. It came out in 2013. And it's Beatrice Chestnut's The Complete Enneagram, 27 Paths to Greater Self-Knowledge. And so what she does in the Enneagram, there's nine types, and she looks at three um, subtypes that are um, universal across all of the types. And so right now I'm really digging into that and trying to, it's kind of like more advanced Enneagram theory. And it's really great. And I have loved reading it. So that sounds so fantastic. We're actually going to have Lee Kramer come on in a few weeks and talk about Enneagram because I wanted to talk about kind of all these different personality typings because I kind of just spit out my numbers and letters, you know, all the time. And people are like, what's that? And so I realized we need to define this for people who are listening to the podcast because it's just become such a big part of my life. So I I need to check out that book because I have not read that. And then what is saving your life right now? This could be a productivity tip or life hack, an app, an idea you're implementing anything that's just making your life better, easier, or more enjoyable. Okay. Well, with this pregnancy, I'm returning to my crunchy roots. So when I was blogging back in the day, my blog was called Sorta Crunchy. It was all about my passion for natural family living. I got super, super into essential oils for a while, but then I kind of like forgot about them. I don't know. You know how life is. I stopped using them for a while. But with this pregnancy, I've really been going back to my crunchy roots. And one of those things is bringing essential oils back into our home. Um, So I, I think the huge thing that made a difference is I got a really good diffuser. I actually loved it so much. I bought a second one. So 
I've just been diffusing all around the house. I'm really into a lot of spring blends right now, lots of like lemon and lemongrass and rosemary. And it's since it is spring, it's just making it feel like we're just kind of getting rid of all the winter funk that's been hanging around. And I'm a highly sensitive person. And one of my biggest sensitivities is about smells. And so just having the wonderful smells and the therapeutic benefits too of essential oils around the house is making me so happy right now. I love that. And can you send me the link to the diffuser that you got? And um, so that I can put that in the show notes because that would be great. I'm sure people are always asking me, what diffuser should I get? I'm like, I don't (laughs) know. Just one that works. One that's (laughs) that's cheap on Amazon. I don't know. So anyway, I'm sure they'd love to love to know which one you're using. So thank you so much for making time to come on the show today. And third time's the charm. Let's hope this actually recorded. (laughs) And thank you also just for everything that you're doing to encourage women everywhere and make their lives more awesome. You do such a great job of that. And I just was thinking as I was prepping for this interview, how much you have truly impacted and encouraged and challenged me personally through your show. And then also you've made me laugh more times than I can count on your podcast. (laughs) So thank you for that. I'm so glad. That's so kind of you to say, Crystal. Thank you so much. Our question of the week comes from an Instagram follower. And by the way, if you're not following me on Instagram, I would love for you to follow me over there. I share lots of behind the scenes videos and pictures and just encouragement for your everyday life. And I'm the money saving mom on Instagram and we'll link to that in the show notes. So this question is from, I'm not sure her name, but she said, I have a question that I was wondering if you could address at some point. How do you encourage or enforce budgeting with your kids? Do they get an allowance? Do they have to contribute to school and sports fees? What about fun activities? Do they have to pay for some of that? What about if it's a church activity? She said, I'm just trying to navigate this season and I didn't grow up with a good money model to follow with my kids. So Jesse, I'd love for you to speak into this. Well, honestly, I remember that we had wanted to be intentional about encouraging our children to save. A long time ago, when they were really little, we got the uh, Dave Ramsey piggy banks that he had. I don't know if they still have them or not. And it kind of helped them think of saving a third of anything that they got. And we stopped using that years ago, but they still have that mindset. So it's just encouraging them from the get-go that not all money should be used for blowing, that they need to give some of it, that they need to save some of it, and then they can spend the rest. I think it's, for us, it's been talking about money from the time that our kids almost, I mean, that they could talk, showing the good example to them, talking about the decisions that we're making, talking about why we don't have debt, explaining the difference between credit cards and debit cards, um, what a mortgage is, why we chose to pay cash for our house, why we say no often to things because we can't afford it. We are choosing not to spend our money on it. And I even don't like the phrase can't afford it because I think that puts you in this victim mentality. But instead of saying we're choosing to spend our money differently because then that gives you some ownership of your financial decisions. One of the things that we've done with our kids is giving them opportunities to earn money from the time that they were little. So we had paid chores and non-paid chores. The non-paid chores were what you were expected to do as part of 
being in our family. The paid chores were electives that you could choose to do if you'd done your non-paid chores and you wanted to earn some extra money. And then that money, they could spend it really however they wanted to spend. But if we're at the store to this day, if we're at the store and they say, oh, look at that, they just know because we started this from the time they were little that I'm not going to say, oh, sure, I'll buy that for you. Or if they say, I want that mom or can I have that mom? I'm going to say, did you bring your money? Did you bring your money? That I say that to them often if they're talking about something that they'd like to buy. They just even know, I, I was trying to think if recently they ever even say, the, tell me that they'd like to buy something. They'll just say, I brought my money and I was thinking about buying X, Y, and Z. Or mom, can we go to the dollar store? They love to go right. to Dollar Tree because I have six bucks and I want to spend it on you know whatever. And one thing that was encouraging to me is just to seeing the evolution of their mindset because one of our kids was really not wanting to split their money up and, you know, use it all for one particular item and blow it. There's money was always blowing a hole in their pocket. And as soon as they got it, they wanted to spend it. But now I've been so impressed. We, We just talk about it. We just don't, it just comes natural. Their attitude towards money has completely changed. And I think giving them those opportunities to handle money. And then since the time they were about three, if they have you know earned their money and they want to buy something, we have them go up to the register and actually pay for it. And sometimes that means that they won't have enough money because they haven't calculated for the tax. And we don't give them the 25 cents that they need because I want them to learn to make sure that they have enough money to pay for it. And that might sound super... I don't like it's a good discipline to get into for when you're older. I want them to make those three dollar mistakes to save them the three thousand dollar mistakes. And I want them to practice handling money from the time they're really little so that they are just very confident with going up and making purchases on their own, calculating tax, and really thinking through. Sometimes they they have bought something and then two days later they'll be like, well, that was a big waste of my money because that just broke or I don't really enjoy it. And so then we talk about how much time did you spend to earn that money? And then was it really worth the cost? And so talking about your return on investment and stuff. And so it's just something that we make a part of our life and it's a part of who we are and what we do. We talk about money a lot. And our hope is that our kids will go into their adulthood standing on our shoulders and taking our philosophies even further so that they can be even more financially successful. And so that ultimately they won't have the stress of finances, but also that they can give generously. And so that's really our heartbeat. And it's not just talking about money for money's sake. It's talking about being a good steward of what you have. And then also giving them opportunities to see like what you're saying with giving, seeing the effects of giving and being able to be, have boots on the ground where we are having giving opportunities and seeing the impact. That's huge. Yeah. I think it's really changed their perspective on life in general to give and see the real blessing and fulfillment that comes from being a giver. And that's really our hope. If you have a question on any topic you'd love for Jesse or me to answer on a future episode, or do you just have any feedback or suggestions or thoughts on the show, we'd love for you to shoot an email to crystal at moneysavingmom.com. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of the Crystal Pain Show. Have a great week. And remember, you can't always choose your circumstances, but you can always choose your attitude. Thank you for joining us today. 
For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com.